This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. How much Mike Myers is too much Mike Myers? This, this much. Exactly this much Mike Myers. It's the cat in the hat, and this film is lit. Hello, welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast, where we talk about movies that are based on books, and in this case, children's books, by maybe the most famous child children's author of all time, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to think of yeah what his real name was. And I, can't, <laughs> I couldn't Ted something. Um, it's his, doesn't matter. His last name I always pronounce. It's either Geisel or Geisel. Geisel is it Geisel. Ted though? Yeah, it's it's Ted. Ted Geisel, Doctor Seuss. Theodore, yeah. Theodore Geisel, aka Doctor Seuss. We are doing the Cat in the Hat. So let's just get right into it with our first segment. Let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. I don't have any written down, but I'm going to briefly <laughs> summarize the plot of the movie. We're not even going to worry about the book. You know what the book's about. It's basically the same, except there's a lot more in the movie. I'm going to keep it real brief so we can get to the main segments. Two children staying at home, uh, left at home by their mother, who is at work. One of the children is a rambunctious uh, mess maker. The other one is a very reserved uh, do-gooder uh, who follows all the rules and never breaks any rules. Uh, they're a boy and a girl. Uh, their mom leaves them at home, says, hey, keep the house clean. And I have a party here tonight. This is the movie again, by the way. I have a party here this evening. Got to keep the house clean. Uh, and then she leaves for the day because she gets called back into work. Uh, and a mysterious cat in a hat shows up. And causes all sorts of mayhem and mess throughout the house, in, uh, teaching, trying to teach them stuff or something. <laughs> we'll get to it. And finally, at the end, they clean everything up. They learn a lesson, uh, and their mom loves them still. And Alec Baldwin is a jerk. Yeah, that's what happens in the movie. <laughs> uh, you should just don't. I, it's on Netflix, like I said. You could have watched it if you want. It's also very short, which helps. It made me feel so good. But yeah, uh, that was a nice. Yeah, that was a an nice, hour and like, twenty minutes. It's like, oh, thank goodness <laughs> that this isn't a two-hour movie. But anyways, that's roughly what happens. A cat shows up. Mayhem occurs. Mayhem is cleaned up, and then we get a little message, a uh, little, a little moral of the story. So let's get into it. We don't have guess who this week because it's a children's picture book, but. We do have... Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? All right, I have a lot of questions. Answers, mostly probably no. But let's do it and see. First things first. Is there the premise about the germaphobic boss coming over for dinner? And that's why the house needs to be spotless. No. Okay. <laughs> Is there any of that premise? 
Uh, no. So it's just she leaves the kids at home? Yes. And then they make a mess? Pretty much. Okay, there you go. No outside stakes, which I get why the movie might add something like that. We'll get to it. Yeah. Does the boy make messes for no reason? And is the girl a, like, cold, reserved, rule-following little genius? Um, no. <laughs> the kids don't really have any of that kind of, like... Separate, like, defined... Separate, defined personalities. Okay. They're just, like, kids. Okay. I thought that was interesting in the movie. Again, we'll talk about it when we get there. Alec Baldwin's character. Is there a boyfriend that the mother is seeing who's trying to send the boy to military or one of the kids to military school so that he can move in on the family. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mrs. Kwan, the questionable Asian lady who, uh, not the questionable Asian lady, but the, uh, questionably portrayed and written yeah. Asian lady. Um, I mean, she is played by an Asian woman, but it's still the performance. There's some in the, kind of like oof moments. Yeah. It feels a bit in her portrayal interesting but uh mrs kwan who's like the babysitter in the movie no no babysitter all right so she just leaves the kids at home alone yeah okay because it's 1957 yeah man. of course is the narrator doing so in the movie uh, and this is one of the things that i thought might be the closest to the book uh is that the narrator there's a narrator in the movie who kind of does lines and like reads these rhyming mo- lines uh-huh. at times and i'm assuming some of those at least are from the book from what obviously you won't be able to tell for all of it but did you catch the lines that were like oh yeah that was definitely in the book oh yeah for sure okay um and not, even maybe uh, some dialogue potentially but probably less so potentially than... um not a lot of the lines um are from the book it's not a very long book either yeah. um but yeah uh like um when it starts to rain in the movie, when they're sitting at home, yeah. it starts to rain, and the, the narrator says, The sun did not shine. It was too wet to play. So we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. Yeah. That's literally the first yeah. four lines of the book. So there you go. So that's kind of what I figured, is that some of that dial or some of that narration was mm-hmm. pulled directly from the book to at least give a, a little bit of the flavor of yeah the Seuss writing style yeah. and that sort of thing, so... Does the cat speak in rhyme in the book? Because in the movie, Mike Myers shows up, starts speaking in rhyme, and quits immediately. Yeah. And says, <laughs> I can't rhyme this whole time or whatever. And I just did that unintentionally. But <laughs> but uh, it made me question. I was like, wait. Because now I want to say this here. I've, I've obviously read The Cat in the Hat, but I remember literally nothing about it. <laughs> I, I read it when I was a little kid or yeah. something, and I have not read it since then. So I truly remember very little other than there's a cat and some machines or something. I don't. But other than that, I do. I like I don't remember. So uh, that was one of the things I was like, I don't remember if the cat speaks in rhyme. I assume maybe probably because Dr. Seuss's stuff all tends uh-huh. to be written in rhyme. Pretty much everything. So, yeah, is I- that a reference in the movie to that? And then for the sake of the movie, not all being in rhyme, he drops it. So is that from the book, The Rhyming Cat? Yeah, I mean the whole book is in rhyme. That's what I so thought. it's not like that it's not like every line that the the cat has is a rhyming couplet. Right. But if he speaks more than one line, it probably yeah. rhymes or gotcha. whatever he says rhymes with another line nearby it cuz the whole book right. rhymes. Right. The whole book rhymes. Yeah. Which makes sense because of this. Seuss. Gotcha. Is uh, the cat, and I, I know the answer to some of these questions. <laughs> I'm just putting them in here. And by no, I mean I'm assuming the answer to some of these questions. Uh, is the cat in the hat hot for the kid's mom? 
Um, that would have been a really weird addition to a 1957 kids book. Um, Very so weird. No, no. I'm still just gonna ask it because. But I, yes, that. Mm, yeah, we'll talk about it. We will. Boy, well, this is like this is just like a get put a pin in all these. And we'll get to them eventually. Our odds and ends section might be longer than any other section. Oh, I week. have a lot of thoughts. We have so many <laughs> thoughts in the odds and ends section this week. So stick around for that one. I know a lot of times. Uh, we have a lot of better in the book and better in the movie and you have a fair amount, but not nearly the amount we want to discuss just in general about this movie. (laughs) Is there a contract that the kids sign in the movie? They sign a contract that, uh, the cat basically says, whatever we get up to, I'll clean it up at the end of the weekend, I Mm -hmm. think is what the contract says. It says like, we can have as much fun as we want and nothing bad will happen. Right. Something nice and vague. Yes. Uh, and they sign this contract. Is that in the, um, no, it's not from the book. I, I don't have that in any of my segments, but I I do want to say, I don't hate that detail. Okay. Um, because the cat is supposed to be sort of like a huckster. He's like a trickster type. Of a character. Right. So I don't hate that, okay. but it's not in the book. This one I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, the couch needs fixing in the movie, and uh, the cat turns... Now, I'm just going to assume the cat doesn't do any of the characters Mike Meyer does, but he does he become a uh, a mechanic with his butt sticking out of his pants when he fixes the, and fixing fixes a couch? He does not. Okay. <laughs> that segment... Yeah, I mean everything. We'll talk <laughs> yeah. about it, but everything in this movie has so much to be said about it. Uh, well, next thing, and this is one I thought might be, but I couldn't remember uh, the contraptions. Uh, there's in the movie he has at the beginning he has this thing called the funinator that like is like a a detector that tells if they're mm-hmm. good kids or not. He has the cupcakeinator during the the uh, when they're baking the infomercial cake. segment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he has the car. That's called the slow, mm-hmm. which is uh, stands for something. And it's like a Susian looking car. And then he has the dirt, which is the vacuum clean cleanup machine at the end. Are these machines from the book? Because I feel like I remembered something like this. From um, the book. So the only machine from the book is the one that cleans up at the end. OK. He doesn't call it the dirt in the book. Right. But it's kind of similar looking. Yeah, it looks similar. Now, like kind of that's like contraption, contraption looking things aren't uncommon in Seuss books. Yeah. So it's totally possible that some of the other stuff are inspired by okay. maybe other illustrations from right. other books. But for this book, just the one that cleans up at the end. Okay. I felt like I remembered something like that. Uh, yeah. And I've read my fair share of Dr. Seuss kid books as a kid, so I could be thinking mm-hmm. of remembering them. I felt like the car looked familiar to me. Yeah. It looked yeah, like it a thing I'd seen, but maybe not. something pulled from somewhere else yeah. inspired by who knows. And I didn't see anything about that in the when I was looking up trivia. Mm-hmm. So it, like a lot of times I'll say like, it, like I'll find in, you know, in the trivia or on Wikipedia or whatever, it'll say like, Oh, the car design was inspired by the car from mm-hmm. blank blank. But it I was also a little, um, like Jetsons. A little bit. Yeah. I felt like, a which is that, that like 1950s vibe. Yeah. Which I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, at any point in the book, does the cat hold up a dress and say, look, I'm a girl. Cause oof. No. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, it's the early two thousands. Everybody, boy, is it! It's the early two thousands. The the crate in the movie. There's this giant crate that the cat has. That is a portal to his universe, and the kids aren't allowed to open it because if so, it will 
create the mother of all messes. Um, there is a crate, but it just holds thing one and thing two. As far as we know, the crate does not do anything else. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, in the movie, it, uh, it, yeah, it's the portal to the other world, which mm-hmm. is not a terrible idea in terms of, like, that's what thing one and thing two come out of, and then being like, it's a wormhole to the whatever sure. weird universe I'm from. Like, whatever. Like, I, I don't, it's fine. That's the least of the problems with this movie. <laughs> The pinata scene, uh, and this is interesting, and I really wanted to know if this is in the book because this, uh, so in the movie, there's a scene where they're at a kid's birthday party. They're mm-hmm. at Beans' birthday party from, if yeah, you've Beans ever seen Ren, Ren and Steve, uh, not Ren. Oh my God. I did combine Ren and Stimpy and Even Stevens <laughs> to Ren and Stevens, uh, which would be a weird well, there's mashup. A, there's a character named Ren. Yeah, Ren yeah, Stevens, right. So that, I think that's what it, why it was, but yeah, Ren and Steven, yeah, Ren Stevens, um, even Stevens, the show with Shia LaBeouf and uh, whoever played Ren. I don't. She's been oh, in other Christy stuff. Christy Carlson. Christy Romano. Carlson Romano. That that is her name. There you go. Yeah. Anyways, Beans from that show is in this movie, and he has a birthday party, and they have a cat pinata, and at one point it gets swapped out somehow for the actual cat in the hat, mm-hmm. and he gets hung in a tree mm-hmm. in front of all these little kids, and they hit him with sticks. Yep. And now, given what we discussed in the prequel episode about sort of the minstrel show elements of the cat's design that people have discussed and sort of the the problematic elements of that, this seemed like a serious yikes if this was in the book. It is not in the book. Okay. Um, I did have that thought when we were watching the movie. Yeah. I was like, <sighs> I mean, again, given, I mean, just on its own, it doesn't, that's a common ca- cartoon thing right. of like, oh, yeah. this character's gets mistaken for a pinata. Like you can do it. Yeah. But given the specific uh, minstrel uh, depictions that potentially the cat is based upon, that felt very like, did you guys not aware of that? And maybe go a different direction with that scene or something? Because that's, I don't think we need to tie the cat. I I don't know when that discussion of like those elements started to happen. Probably after 2005, like every woke thing ever. Because, I mean, not really, but like, you know, it, it does see it again. This movie's very early 2000s and it does yeah. seem like even even the most progressive of media a lot of times at those times still have elements that are just incredibly. And, and even still today, it's still it's not that it's stopped or right. we've fixed it all. But like, you know, like when you go back and watch TV shows from the era, even again, even for like progressive TV show. We were watching The Office the other day and mm-hmm. there was something in The Office uh, it, that was a joke that was a very like oof joke about uh, trans people mm-hmm. and it was just like you know The Office overall relatively speaking is a it's a very like generic like neoliberal progressive it, yeah. you know it's not like a lefty show but a fairly progressive relatively speaking uh, show and even those and even that and that wasn't even that long ago that was probably like 2010 or something yeah. So, I mean, I want to I want to kind of talk about it a little bit yeah. later like the Anyways. humor in this movie, but I think in that time period in general there was like kind of this massive reach for like edgy humor, like crass humor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh next one, Paris Hilton. <laughs> oh lord, Paris Hilton's in this movie. Why? Yeah, I had I was not expecting it was like a surprise Paris Hilton. I yeah. was not expecting her to be there. Um so my response to your question <laughs> then is are you actually asking me if Paris Hilton is in a nineteen fifty seven children's book? 
No. My the question is no. Is there uh do they go to a club? They do not. I know they don't. No, I just had don't. to put this in here. I we'll talk about <laughs> it more later. Maybe maybe we won't. But yeah, so no Paris Hilton in the book or Paris Hilton equivalent. No. Marilyn Monroe just before her time even. No, I don't think right so. around her time. Nineteen fifty-seven ballpark of her time. Ballparkish. I don't know. I actually have no idea. I could be really. I think it's a ballpark of her time period. Yeah. Um, and not to say that they're equivalent. I mean, but I'm just trying to think <laughs> of like a popular pretty woman that at the time, right? When, like kind of the equivalent <laughs> sex symbol. Yeah. But no, the there are, there are no sex symbols in <laughs> the Cat in the Hat yeah. by Dr. Seuss. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, does the boy? Okay, so in the movie, one of the whole plot elements is that the things, thing one and thing two, do the opposite of whatever you tell them to do. Mm -hmm. And eventually the boy figures out to tell them to do the opposite of what you want them to do, and then they'll do it. First off, did thing one and thing two do the opposite of whatever you tell them in the book? I mean... Or do they just do whatever they want? They just do whatever they want. Right. They don't, like, not not do that. They just Yeah, they just wreck hell. Okay. And then they catch them. So that, that like element is not a factor. To where he like tells them to do the opposite and it like solves all their problems. Yeah, no. No. It's just they they just catch thing and one and thing yeah. two eventually and that kind of solves some of the problem. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. Finally, for was that in the book, does the do they end up going into the cat's world? Um, like the the weird Seussian universe that like portals into their living room. They do not. Okay. I figured not. Yeah. I thought not. They just make a mess, right? Yeah. They yeah. just make a big old mess. They just make a big old mess because, you know, that's a thing that could happen to kids. Yeah. So it's a little more. <laughs> it makes a little more sense. But yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, I get what the movie's going for, but we'll talk about it. All right. That was it for Was That in the Book. I do not have a Lost in Adaptation because I was not confused. I was confused by a lot of things in this movie, but not by like the general story. Yeah, not and, the plot. And nothing that I thought would be explained by the book. So. <laughs> We'll just skip over Lost in Adaptation and go right on to Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So I could have made, like, a massive list of, like, every detail of everything I hated about this movie. It would mostly just be everything that's in the movie is the book is better because it doesn't have it. Yeah, basically, pretty much most of it. Um, so I, I mean, I could have done that, and then this right. podcast would have been like four hours and I, long. Yeah, and we do, we um, already yeah. have the we're in the middle of the Lord of the Rings episode. This is your break episode. Yeah. You don't have to listen to a four hour <laughs> long ep- podcast episode. So yeah, that's so, a good idea. So I just kind of tried to narrow it to like um, some general stuff. Um, the the boy Conrad who is not named in the book, I found him really obnoxious. In the movie? Yeah. Spencer Breslin? Yeah. Ah, he was fine. I thought he was fine. The actor uh, and stuff. I, just, I mean, he's obnoxious in the sense that he's supposed to be obnoxious because he's an obnoxious kid, but I yes. found him fine. I actually thought I, that was one of my more positives overall is that everybody not named Mike Myers in the movie <laughs> does a good job. And it will not everybody. The boss, I... We'll talk about and uh, Alec Baldwin, but like I thought the two kids were actually really, really good. And now one of them is Dakota Fanning, who's who's, I think she's gone on to do, you know, quite a few things. And then um, Spencer Breslin, I don't know if he's done much other, but I thought both the kids did a really good job. I thought the mom did a pretty good job. uh, Kelly Preston Mm -hmm. and uh, the other like miscellaneous few actors here and there I thought were fine. But 
Maybe it was just his 2003 long shorts that annoyed me. His his <laughs> shorts were awful. They were pretty bad. He had the Kevin Smith yeah. uh, shorts that go almost all the way to your shoes. Yeah, they're shorts that desperately want to be pants. Yeah. Anyway. The spants, as we called them in uh, <laughs> middle school, I believe, was <laughs> Did the you nickname. Really? Yeah, spants <laughs> was what I think the, like, the, the derogatory term people called those. <laughs> I, at least I thought I remember that from like... I don't remember. One of my friends in that, high school, but... and he doesn't listen to the podcast, but Eric, one of my friends in high school or middle school, and maybe even... It was like early in high school, he, he wore them to gym class and everybody gave him that i don't know if i I don't think i took part in this but everybody gave him the nickname spants because he had these long i don't even know if this is true or if i'm making this up and it's a manufactured memory but i'm pretty sure that's the case if anybody of my friends from high school listens to this and recalls that that eric used to be called spants now it wasn't by us it was just by people in my gym class so i don't even my friends might not even remember this i don't know anyways moving on (laughs) i'm speaking of alec baldwin though um the evil stepfather plot like i really overdone even in 2003 yeah just really it's stick a super cliche and and this movie brings nothing new to it nothing yeah nothing new to see here yeah, it's just, oh, he's the evil stepfather who wants money and just doesn't like kids. Okay, great. And it's also, I, th- I arguably, it, not only is it cliche, it's arguably uh, of like a, a, a problematic and unhelpful cliche, yeah. especially for a kids movie where a lot of the time, I don't know, I don't know the statistics on how like, I think, but given the, the sort of already rough situation that kids have, when when dealing with a situation where their their mom or their dad is uh is, is like dating, is dating a new partner yeah. that's already a tough uh situation for kids and to then have the most of the media that they see about it being how this new person is terrible yeah or is going to be terrible or has some terrible secret is like already puts a lot of extra pressure and weirdness onto that relationship that's already hard yeah and i feel like it uh, subverting that trope is my, and I again, you know, I feel like even at this point, this movie, th- that cliche is so played out that this movie should have subverted that trope. Yeah, would have been a much more, a much clever thing to do there. Oh, it would have been worlds better. Yeah, and it, and it's it's just a better message in general because odds are the the odds are I would bet because most people aren't terrible people. I don't think that the that the sp- that the person that your mom or dad is dating is actually probably just a pretty okay person. Yeah, they're who probably just, fine. You know what I mean? And yeah. like the you know they're not harboring some evil secret and. They, and so, like, I think going the other way with that would be a really heartwarming way to take this story that they should have done. But And it would also, it would make sense for Conrad's character. Yeah, that he doesn't trust of, him. Yeah, as kind of like this kid who's struggling yeah. to, like, view this other person as, oh, they're automatically going to be bad. Yeah. And then subvert it, and they're it not bad. They're not, yeah. But. They literally go the opposite. And yeah. we think he's good at the beginning. And nope, actually evil super okay. evil yeah. and evil in ways that don't make sense but we'll talk yeah. about it later um and then i have this note um i have let me see i have six bullet points under better in the book um and three of them are different variations of everything about mike myers <laughs> cat yes um just everything about the cat like i we were watching this movie, and at a certain point, I was like, if I have to hear him say, oh, yeah, well, yeah. one more time, well, what? I'm going to break the TV. What? 
why would who uh, who signed off on that? Because that's why is he doing the Kool Aid Man? That's just the Kool Aid <laughs> no. Man thing. He's just like, oh yeah, and I'm like, wait, why are you? Why is he doing the Kool Aid Man? Was that wasn't a catchphrase of the cat from the and cat? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he ever once busts through a wall. No. And that would be like the moment you would do yeah, it. Yeah, that would be the moment he busts through like a, a wall. Joke. Yeah. But then, like, oh yeah, because this movie is nothing else, if not nothing, if not just references yeah, to everything it's references else. References piled on top of um, each other. So yeah, it, but he just does it, and but he does it like the Kool Aid Man, like a bunch of times, seemingly f- like for no reason in yeah. reference to nothing other than maybe the Kool Aid Man. But again, <laughs> why would he not break through a wall and say it if that's the? I don't know. Yeah, because there are no other references to anything reminiscent of the kool-aid no, man i, I don't no get idea. it i have no idea no idea but it's yeah yeah everything about the cat is just terrible yeah it's just the worst yeah other um, than how he looks in general i think yeah i actually have that okay later sorry 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 go ahead. um so the the other thing like kind of overarching thing that i had an issue with in this movie um and it sounds like you maybe did not have an issue with this um but i i kind of had trouble with the way the movie like piled stakes on top of yeah that's fair like they how you have the stakes of like the house needs to be kept clean or mom's gonna lose her job and then you have the stakes with um, the kids need to be fixed and then we add Alec Baldwin on top of yeah. this and then we add like, oh, the the crate is leaking into the house and, and I felt like it just kept like piling things right. on top of things to the point where I was like, just choose a thing. Yeah. Pick a thing. Yeah. Stick with it. Yeah. Tell us a story. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I just thought I didn't hate the the whole crate leaking one universe into the other or whatever like visually could you could do mm-hmm. some fun things with it I, I don't know if they actually really do so you much they, they do a little bit but i didn't I, but i do agree that there definitely is, is too many uh balls in the air in this one yeah. um and uh even the cat can't juggle all those balls yeah doesn't he do that in the book Doesn't he juggle things or balance things. He balances things. Never close enough. Yeah. Even the cat can't balance all those plates in the air. Yeah, so. it was like they they looked at all the balls they had in the air and they were like, "Nope, we need one more." Yeah. One more. Yeah. One more ball. Yeah. Yeah, they really should have just stuck to the kids storyline and then the house. Yeah, the kids in the house. And then I think even and then do the and then tw- twist the 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 trope with the stepfather thing. I don't think that's a terrible idea to have mm-hmm. that storyline potentially. Yeah. Um, he could have helped but, them clean up at the end. It yeah. could have been really nice yep. and heartwarming, but yep. it's 2003 and Mike Myers and, and is no. awful and everything Everything awful. is horrible. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> All right, so better All right, than, better better than, than the movie. movie. Let's do it. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Um, I thought Sally was kind of endearing at times. Yeah. Uh, Conrad annoyed me, but um, I, you know, I, I think the like the kind of bossy little girl is maybe a little done at this point. Yeah. But um, in the book, she doesn't have much of a personality at all. Right. So okay, it was kind yeah. of an interesting take on her character i thought yeah and I, again i thought dakota fanning does a really good job yeah. with it so like i uh, yeah I, I found it endearing. Yeah. And, and, and i did think that setting them up as like polar opposites made sense right i don't think they took 
I don't know if the the movie um satisfied their character arcs. No, for me. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think the movie doesn't stick the landing with it. Yeah, uh, but I do like the setup of them kind of not getting along and being these polar opposites. Yeah, and but I do agree that the movie doesn't finish that off it just come up it has a kind of an okay start yeah everything about this movie is a pretty good okay start and then as soon as mike myers shows up it all goes downhill but we'll talk about that more later i thought making the mom a career woman was interesting Mm -hmm. um in the book we don't know why she's out of the house um and she's literally just like you see you see like her foot and you (laughs) see like the edge of her umbrella yeah um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting way to update it. Yeah. Make it a little more modern. Yeah. Um, I thought giving them a babysitter made sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a it's a post Amber Alert world <laughs> yeah. in 2003. Yeah. Um, so having having a babysitter be there, I think, makes sense. Of course, we have to do away with the babysitter right away. Otherwise, yeah. the rest of the story doesn't happen. Right. But um, nonetheless, it makes sense. Um, and then my last note here, uh, to kind of go back to the idea of like the kids, Mm -hmm. um, and their personalities and like kind of sticking that landing. Um, this is actually something that really pissed me off about this movie was that I felt like there were things that had a lot of potential. Oh boy. I have a whole section about this later, (laughs) Um, about the potential of this movie. So like, for example, the addition of the kids needing to like adjust their methods of having fun to be healthy instead of destructive in different ways. I think that could have been an interesting and worthy yeah. thematic addition to this original text. Mm-hmm. But it's freaking impossible to like anything about this movie when you have <laughs> Mike Myers in a cat costume screaming, oh, yeah, every five seconds. If all he did was scream, oh, yeah, I could bear it. But oh my gosh, that's just the tip of the iceberg for the terribleness of Mike Myers. Has anybody ever done, um, has there anybody that's done a cut of this where it speeds up every time he says, oh yeah? yeah. I I don't know. But yeah, we can look look for that. Because I feel like that's a thing that somebody should have done at this point. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. That was all you had for better in the movie. Uh, I want to talk more about the potential of this movie in when we get to odds and ends, because I have a lot to say about it as well. Um, But I I do agree. So let's move on to the movie. Nailed it. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Um, I mentioned that uh, some of the narrator's voiceover Mm -hmm. is from the book. Um. And a couple things that the cat says, actually, are also lines from oh, the yeah. book. Um, the, he has a, a song close to the beginning when he gets there. Oh, yeah. Um, and a couple of like the first lines of that are gotcha. lines from the book. Um, cat, uh, the cat himself, I think, is terrifying. Um, the costume is, is fine. Um, the look overall, it's pretty spot on. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and I thought it looked. Like, I thought it was a pretty impressive makeup job. We talked about mm-hmm. it a little bit in the prequel episode, but uh, yeah, I thought it looked good. I thought it, it, it. It's a little. Yeah, it can be a little kind of disturbing at times. But yeah. I mean, how are you going to do a giant? 
A giant cat. A giant cat. Yeah. It's it's a giant man cat. Like you, unless you go full CG, which I think would have looked worse. Oh, it would have looked terrible. Which, although I will say, the fish looks really good. I thought the fish mm-hmm. looked pretty good, apart from the teeth. But uh, <laughs> uh, but like I think is what you can do with making a giant cat man. Mm-hmm. It it looked like the Grinch. He looks you know it looks yeah. good. It looks fine. I think it it does a pretty good job. So yeah, I agree. Um, the part where he balances on the ball holding a bunch of different stuff that yep. is directly from the book. I knew I recognized that yeah. tableau when it played yeah. out on screen because they hold on it for long enough to make sure like, eh, eh, look, yeah, yeah, I'll post some side by sides at some point yeah. um, of a couple things. Um, the fish getting flung into the teapot mm-hmm. is from the book. Uh, some of the introduction of thing one and thing two. That's all I have written here. I'm going to assume I meant the lines that were spoken. The lines that they say when they come out of the yeah. crate or whatever. Yeah. Um, or like stuff that the cat says when he's talking about them. I'm going to assume that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just them running out of the box at mm-hmm. the kids and, and then shaking their hands. Um, and then that sort of thing I can see. Yeah. Remind or from what I remember of the movie that was pretty similar. I've already blocked this movie from Yeah, I've done when I could. Um, they do chase the things with a big net mm-hmm. in the book. Uh the cat's cleaning machine yeah, we talked I about mentioned. And uh the It's got mom, like all the arms that come yeah, out. Yeah, it's and got like, the arms with like gloves at the end yeah. and they like fix things yeah. and wipe things down. Yeah. Um and then the mom's foot stepping inside the door. Yeah. she gets home at she the end, home is, the is end. a direct nod to the book. Yeah. Cool. All Except right. Except her shoe is a 2003 shoe. Yes. And not a 1957 shoe. <laughs> yes. All Tally, right. 2003 shoes are very distinct. Very distinct. Everything 2003 is very distinct. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, we got our odds and ends section here, and I have we have so much to talk about before we get to the final verdict. Yeah. So let's. it's most of our notes. Let's do that now. The movie starts and I we're watching the opening credits and they're like animated Susian. I actually thought the where they changed like the DreamWorks yeah. logo. Yeah. I thought that was cute. Oh, it was great. I was like, yeah. I feel like these opening production credits are going to be the best part of this yeah. movie because it's just like I was like, oh, this is nice. It's like, yeah, all the it, but it's just the production house logos animated yeah. in a Seuss style. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, look at that. And then, yeah, from there. And then it was all downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, this is a little thing that I thought it was really interesting and I only bad movie people will know what this is. And it's I think it's a different title, but they're wheeling a big thing of hand sanitizer into the boss's office at the beginning of the movie. And that's the company that made the hand sanitizer is the incredible bulk company. Mm-hmm. And I assume it means bulk by like because he's buying like a lot of it. But yeah. there's a terrible movie called the. Either the Incredible Bulk or the Amazing Bulk. I think I it is the Incredible. Bulk. I think it is called the Incredible Bulk. That's like a, a classically or not classically, but like a notorious terrible good bad movie that this mm-hmm. guy made. That's like a Hulk ripoff, but it's like all terrible CG. Anyways, I was like, wait, the Incredible Bulk. That's very strange uh, <laughs> coincidence. But anyway, is it or was it the production crew telling us that this is a bad movie? We're in for it bad already. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to backtrack just slightly yeah because i i got um when we were doing like the opening like 
um, pan over the town. Yeah. I got like super Ella Enchanted mm-hmm. flashbacks. A little bit, yeah. Um, And I, I have to say like this movie overall, I can also see the Shrek effect yeah. on this. And not just because of Mike Myers. Right. But if they were trying to do that like... um. That, like, this is a kid's movie, but also there's edgy humor. And right. You can take your teenager to it. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't stick that landing doesn't work either. out the way Shrek does. No. Yeah. No. The writing of... The writing... Pulling that off balances on such a fine knife edge. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they pull it off with Shrek. Yeah. But El Enchanted... Well, I guess Elliot didn't go for so much for like the. Yeah, that was a, a different. That, that was more was of a like style. The, yeah, the style and like the anachronism. Yeah, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, that word again. Anachronism. I um, that. <laughs> it's somebody named Anna and her chronisms. I, I, know. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it, that was more the style. But this the the writing of that like edgy. Yeah. Funny adult humor, mm-hmm. but that goes over the heads of kids is it's definitely one of those things that is hard to do well. And this mm-hmm. movie does not do yeah. it well. And I one of our um, listeners and uh, Twitter followers, Shelby, mm-hmm. watched the movie um, prior to this episode and tweeted about it and made a great point. I thought that okay. this movie depends so much it really, really rests on us, the audience, finding everything that the cat does charming and funny. Yeah. And none of it is charming no. and funny. Yes. A hundred percent. It None of it is. There's like 30 whole seconds in this movie where Mike Myers is at a level that works. Yeah. And there's you can see it now and then where I'm like, if you just were that. This whole movie, yeah. this could work, but he's he's only that for like thirty seconds. Where and there's like a couple little jokes here and there that he makes that are dialed back and sort of fit in the in and, what and they're like, going yeah. for and in sort of tongue in cheek without being just so oh like yeah. uh, uh, over tuned and like um, eight. Tw- or 24 jokes per 30 second like every there's a joke every other second like he, you can't he can't just like we can't go like two lines of dialogue without a reference or a joke to mm-hmm. something it's just hits you over the head over and over and over again that the few times where mike myers slash the writing i don't just want to put it all on him but <laughs> i i assume he improvised a lot so yeah. who knows but uh where the right where it's just dialed back just enough i'm like oh yeah this that could work but it's never that it's that for a minute of the hour and 20 minute or when he's on screen you know mm-hmm. it, it's 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 almost never the case the boss in this movie is the germaphobe boss yeah. I, I don't the that being part of the frame story or whatever or not the frame story but the sort of why the house needs to be spick and span whatever but his performance and I can't remember that actor's name. He's he's. It's the guy from Will and Grace. Yeah, it's the guy from Will and Grace, yeah. but I don't remember his I name. I don't know his name. Oh my gosh! I'll re- just immediately off the bat, I was like, "Nope, yeah. don't need you well, doing and this." The, the thing to me that's kind of it, it's it's like emblematic of the issues that we were just discussing, where everything is like dialed way way up for no yeah. reason because there's not a reason for him to be like crazy germaphobe like, guy yeah just 
like the stakes of her having a work party yeah, at the house fine. are enough. Just that this stuff. Like, because of course the house needs to be clean. You're yeah, having a work you're party. You're having a work party. He doesn't have to be a germaphobe. Yeah. Like yeah. And even if you want to make just make him like a slightly overtuned like controlling like yeah make him like a, like a little like, bit of a control like, freak yeah. or he doesn't need to have a bottle of hand sanitizer strapped to his belt yeah and 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 just and and the the inflection of every line he gives and he's like leaning and yelling and it's just it's so much it's yeah. so much uh and even that is is nothing compared to when mike myers shows up. <laughs> uh but i did at this point i was like you know i don't hate the visual style of this movie so far again before we get to mike myers i was like it's kind of working for me like the weird it's they're doing that and i you know they're going for this like oversaturated Mm -hmm. super stylized look where everything's bright colors and 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 like all all the cars are like very unique they're i mean they're normal cars are like all like hybrid like whatever yeah Um, it's like a, a super stylized Futury 1950s yeah. hybrid yeah. thing, and like, uh, and 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 the houses are all the same yeah. in their neighborhood, and they're all like, it, it, the it's visual a, it's stuff, very 2003, right? And, and it's not even super unique, but I think it works for the sort of theme of the story about uh, having fun and and uh, but following, you know, having fun within reason and being responsible, but. Mm-hmm. Not so much that you become part of this cookie cutter, like, you know, you can't break out of the mold ever type of thing, like the sister kind of uh, personifies. And so I think it works visually. And and just overall, I was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, it looks all right. And it's shot. They do a lot of center frame shots like a uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Wes Anderson movie uh, where like characters in the center of the frame. Uh And then it's like a, a. where it's a a uh, symmetrical shot on both sides, and they mm-hmm. do some of that, which is you know it's it's it, it's yeah. it can be a little much at times, but it's also I think can work for this kind of storybook type telling storytelling. I think you know the the visual style overall with kind of like we said like the colors and like the kind of nineteen fifties futurism hybrid kind like, of a look. Yeah. I don't think it doesn't work i just think that seuss adaptations in general never get the seuss aesthetic quite right true um like all of the bright colors and like the kind of general wackiness you see that sometimes in seuss mostly in like his like pastiche works yeah um like one fish two fish red fish blue fish for example but like if you look at the cat in the hat the book it's very stylized but it's also really simple yeah like there are really only four colors you've got black white you've got blues and then pinks and reds um but adaptations i feel like always are just like ah bright colors and wacky things yeah yeah it it does feel a bit a little bit like a surface level like inter like glance of like oh seuss it's a cartoon kids book it's all bright colors and and wacky like yeah which kind of sure but yeah I get yeah, what you're it is, it's a surface level understanding of it. And like I said, I, I don't think that it doesn't work. Yeah. But I also could see completely see the argument of taking the at least dialing that back quite a bit so that in contrast, the cat and the thing one and thing two and the things from sort of that are out of place in this world mm-hmm. are more out of place. 
yeah, when everything's yeah. like super stylized and oversaturated. This, although to be fair, since he is a black and white cat, and I think I actually remember reading this, that's part of the reason they did that with the sort of everything being bright colors and everything. It's because it's a black and white cat mm-hmm. setting him against the background that's of fair. everything that's yeah. brightly colored, and it does make him stand out more. So that's fair. I, I, I like I said overall, I kind of enjoyed some of the visual elements and the visual style, the production design of this movie. Um, not all of it, but uh, overall. <laughs> and and then going on, I actually didn't hate the movie. Up until Mike Myers showed up. I just like <laughs> kind of again, there was elements of it that I was like, eh. but I like overall like, oh, yeah, these kids are fun. They're, they're interesting. Good performances by them. Uh, I don't I don't hate where this is setting up to. I know the cat's going to show up and there's havoc's going to break loose. Um, I knew it was going to be Mike Myers doing it. So I was preparing myself for it to just be obnoxious. And it was. But up until that point, I was like, yeah, this isn't the mm-hmm. worst thing in the world. And then it quickly becomes the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Uh, we both have a note about this moment. Yeah. Where Mrs. Kwan is watching TV. She, yeah, she she turns on um, like the Taiwanese version of C-SPAN. C-SPAN. Yeah. And it's Parliament. Yeah. And the, she's watching it and an argument breaks out and a, a fight breaks out in the Taiwanese Parliament and it's set to... Uh, kung fu sound effects yeah and like literally like the what a stereotypical like kung like you're watching a a bruce lee movie like kung fu Mm -hmm. sound effects of like punches and whooshes and kicks and and karate voice sounds and like like i was like okay (laughs) that's uh, mm. that's an interesting choice yeah i'm not not gonna that's that's an oof uh yeah maybe <laughs> don't put over the top kung fu sounds over just a different an asian government scene like yeah boy that that's a choice that is not great and it's it's another like we were talking about that early 2000s yeah like everything is problematic yeah well it's better katie don't you get it because nobody cared back then everybody's got their panties in a bunch these days with their oh i don't like it when the asian people just have kung fu sounds over them well it's also lazy <laughs> it is it's very a lazy, lazy attempt yeah. at humor yeah. but it made me think of to um last weekend maybe uh we watched like five minutes of the charlie's angels movie oh god yeah <laughs> it was on tv yeah it was on tv we watched like I literally like five yeah. minutes of it, and within that five minutes, there were so many oof things yeah. that happened. Yeah, that, that was like two thousand two or something. I was yeah. like, "What is happening here?" Yeah, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it, that it, the early two, late nineties, early two thousands were a rough time, and it almost feels like I, I think it's I don't even know what it is because it almost feels like it was worse then than like it wasn't than like the earlier 90s and the 80s and stuff it wasn't there was just as bad if not worse stuff then but maybe it's because we were slightly more aware and like but it's still i guess that's what it is is that it's there's it's there's slightly more overall progressive sort of uh movement in media at that point but still even then the things that snuck through that people didn't (laughs) think about or realize or it's like oh god okay yep kung fu sounds over get it they're foreign and weird like kung fu movies that's yep okay (laughs) that's the joke and then mike myers shows up and it's it's just 
he's doing so much. It is, it is it's 50 million things all at the same time. My comment wins because I said it's eight trillion things all at once. <laughs> and we both wrote those comments separately. Uh, it's peak Mike Myers. It yeah. is Mike Myers unrestrained. Yeah. He is set free upon this movie and <laughs> the worst way possible. <laughs> and I can enjoy Mike Myers. I haven't seen the movies in a long time, but I remember and I know that I know they're going to go back and have way tons of problematic elements in them. But I always remember enjoying fair, fairly uh, somewhat in, mostly enjoying like the uh, Austin Powers films mm-hmm. and finding them funny again. That I haven't watched them in years, but uh, and Shrek, obviously, well, yeah, we, talked we talked about, about Shrek. Shrek. It's the first great. Shrek, at least. There's yeah. a lot to like about that it's movie. Great. And, and I like little elements, a lot, a lot of elements of certain things that Mike Myers did on like SNL. I always thought Sprockets was hilarious. This weird German talk show character that he did where. Mm-hmm. But uh, so like uh, there's elements of Mike Myers that I think when he's dialed in and restrained and has somebody guiding him and holding him, putting him in a slightly smaller box i think he can work really well yeah uh but boy un un uh, just and i released mike myers is a terrifying thing <laughs> to be fair i'm sure it didn't help that he didn't want to do this movie right well then do less man yeah right <laughs> why are you Fold doing so in. much why are you doing so much for a movie you don't want to do because it is every he's it, it's he changes his voice every seven and a half seconds in this movie. He's doing a new voice and a new impersonation and a new he's got a new he's he's riffing a new whole line of improv that he's got going. And then it it's wild. It's yeah. so wild how much he does in this film. And, and almost none of it is funny. Yeah. At least now. I like maybe as a kid I would have found it funny. I but. don't recall finding this funny when I saw it in 2003. Yeah. I like his performance in this movie makes Jim Carrey's performance in The Mask look like restrained <laughs> and like just dialed in like and it is it is like he was And the whole premise of that is mask. that The Mask turns him into the most wild over the top character ever. Yeah. I didn't make that connection while we were watching it, but it is a little like he's trying to do yeah. something like that. Similar, yeah. Where he like turns into different characters. Yeah, it was every like all these seconds. different characters yeah. and references, and it, it's like that. But that one, I I haven't seen the mask in a while, but that one feels way more like coherent <laughs> and restrained than this one does. He yeah. is nonstop in this movie and it's exhausting to watch like it's truly exhausting to watch like and and i I think my thing is that it if if mike myers wasn't running hotter than chernobyl's reactor throughout this whole movie i think it could work and i have my fix here this is my fix for this movie we've talked about a few of them visually i think it works pretty well we talked about that this is bo welch who directed this Mm -hmm. There are elements of this movie. We we watched and finished Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate yeah, events Netflix, on Netflix, yeah. which he was the production designer for and directed four episodes of. And there's only like 16 episodes mm-hmm. or something or slightly more. But whatever. He directed a quarter of the show or something. And you can see I could see that movie. That movie is or that show is this movie. It's yeah, two kids. I can see it there. It's two kids who interact with this larger than life over the top 
ridiculous character in in Lemony Snicket. It's uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Count Olaf. Count Count Olaf. Uh, and all the adults kind of don't interact with the kids in reasonable ways. And like that, everything that works about Lemony Snicket is what this movie was trying to do. Yeah. I feel like, and the same sort of humor of like there, there's that sort of tongue in cheek breaking the fourth wall, turned and wink. Because so many times in this movie, does does uh, Mike Myers look down the barrel of the camera and like wink mm-hmm. at the audience? And we get a little bit of that from like Olaf and stuff in uh, yeah. a series of yeah. unfortunate events, and it but it works really well there. And I think all you need to do is rewrite this movie with whoever adapted. Series of mm-hmm. unfortunate events. Have them write this. Get Bo Welch back to direct it. He could direct because he did it on the show. Get him back to direct it and then recast the cat from Mike Myers to Neil Patrick Harris. I think and that I think, sounds utterly delightful. I think this movie is a, a great. I think this movie is great. Like, I think you've done it. I think you fixed the movie, and I think it's perfect because Lemony Snicket is very good overall. It has its elements that are, you know, not good. Yeah, but. and it, it's not, not like, it's kind of is a grim, dark version yeah. of like a Seussian world, yeah. almost. Yeah. And the design choices are very mm-hmm. similar. Again, yeah, well, we've got that kind of vintagey feel. Yeah. But where, like, the cat in the hat goes like to an obvious fifties futuristic yeah. kind of a hybrid. Um, Lemony Snicket's it's, like it's, it's like a, a little more vague. Like... It's kind yeah, it's kind of steampunk, and you can see where it's kind of vintagey, but yeah. there's no like real. It's it's also could be current time. Yeah, just, it, it mixed with yeah, it's it's, it's very it's, vague. It, it ends up being a very good hybrid, intentionally timeless type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but so yeah, like it, and it's so and it makes so much sense to me when I found out that he went on to after yeah. watching this movie. It's like, yeah, he was prepped in the perfect. He knew everything that went wrong on this movie. <laughs> he turned around to do right on that show because it's the same. It's not the same thing. I'm not saying it's the same story, but like the style of what they went for and achieved in that show is exactly what this movie was trying to do. Yeah, and Mike Myers needed. just exploded all over it and like ruined it. Like it's, but it's so fascinating. I think it's it was so <laughs> close to to being. Yeah, that's it. Bo Welch, come back, rewrite it with the Lemony Snicket people and put Neil Patrick Harris as the cat because he can be charming. Yeah. And Mike Myers does not really do charming well. Yeah. He does all bonkers and and stuff pretty well. But yeah, that's it. I fixed it. Hollywood. Make the, do that remake. There's honestly, the remake. Get the narrator from yeah. Lemony Snicket yeah. to narrate. Uh, get Patrick yeah. uh, War, War, yeah. Warwarton get him. or whatever his name is. Yeah. Is that his name? Patrick War, Warwarton or... Something. Warburton? No, I think it's no. War, War. I don't I know. It doesn't matter. But anyways, that guy uh, who plays <laughs> Lemony Snicket in the in the uh, in the show. Yeah, he doesn't even have to be on screen. Just have him narrate. Yeah, but if you haven't seen Lemony Snicket after, and if you watch this movie, go check out Lemony Snicket on Netflix and tell me that is you cannot. It's it's it. It's this. It's this, but good. Like it's <laughs> all it is. It's oh, it's it's so fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it's Bo Welch learning from his mistakes. Yeah, yeah. and like talk about growth. <laughs> he went from that, and he didn't direct anything else. He spent tw- what fifteen years ruminating on this freaking movie, and then he came out and was like, "Guess what? I'm doing the same thing, but it's gonna be great." And Mike Myers is gonna be nowhere near it. <laughs> Anyways, that's my that's how oh, I fixed this God. movie. Okay. What was your next note? <laughs> 
Why did they give the fish teeth? I don't know why. That's my next them. note. That's a, it was a horrible why choice. Why would you do that? They really should not have given the fish teeth. Note, no fish with teeth I in Lemony no. Snicket. No, no, not that I recall. <laughs> I would have assumed that there was a... Now that I think about it, you know what would be interesting? I wonder if there's any... Because it would make sense. I wonder if there are any jokes at the expense of this movie in Lemony Snicket. Well, now we're going to have to rewatch I know. Lemony I wouldn't Snicket. surprise me, though, based on... The sort of fourth wall yeah. breaking self-referential yeah. uh, thing that they're doing with Lemony Snicket and with the him being involved. Uh, we'd probably only have to watch maybe his four episodes. Yeah, we could watch. We could rewatch the ones that he directed. Because those would probably be the ones most likely to have anything in yeah. it. Because, uh, you know, otherwise he was just a production designer. Although there could be like visual stuff. There could it. be. But anyways, yeah. uh, something I was thinking about. But yeah, giving the fish teeth. My guess is that they animated that fish without teeth the first time and thought this looks weird. And then it did the teeth and... It's, it's probably when it still looks weird, but oh, yeah. well, <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, not not great. I love that when we turned on this movie, it was was PG-13, right? No, it's PG. It was PG? PG. Okay, it was PG, and it said like rated PG for something, something that I don't remember. Probably like scary no yeah i don't know PG crude humor and crude, some, double, some double entendres crude humor and some double entendres. some double entendres some some what the fuck does netflix think the definition of some is it's not it's not what not what it nope not what they think it is i'll assure you of that it's some is not 80 <laughs> <laughs> some is what three to five yeah yeah that's some it's not 80 Nothing but double entendres in this movie. I don't know if there's that many, but it's, it's, it feels like a lot. I can think of at least three right off the top of my head. Yeah. Two of them you have here in the notes. The dirty hoe. The dirty hoe. Whose idea was that? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Mike it was Myers. Mike Myers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the when he pulls the pinup, the centerfold oh. pullout out of the mom's picture. Yeah. Which doesn't even make sense. No. And it's not funny. No. And then he keeps it. Yeah. He sneaks it into his pants, into his into his fur suit. His fur. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It's so upsetting. <laughs> the one moment I did like that I, I thought you might have him better in the movie that I thought this is the kind of clever thing that there should have been more of in the movie, mm -hmm. like the fun, whimsical, like cat thing is there at one point they break out of the house to go find the dog or whatever. Not yeah. break out of the house. They leave the house to go find the dog and they're like sneaking by their neighbors. I don't even know why they're sneaking, but they're like sneaking by the fence and it's the girl and the boy and 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 they're playing like classical like cartoon sneaking music of like violin like do like, yeah. like and then it cuts to Mike Myers and he's like playing violin on his whiskers and he's like I thought it needed a little something or something. Like to me that felt like that was the single moment where I liked something that Mike yeah. Myers did yeah. in this movie. I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah, kind of like fourth the, wall yeah. breaking, but it's also like kind of clever and, 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 and charming. Not charming, I guess, but like. But it's kind of cute yeah. and it's kind of whimsical. Yeah. And it's like an appropriate type of humor. Yeah. That, that, that is that kids might not get, but yeah. that is funny to adults. Yeah. That like, because kids don't necessarily. 
Right. A like kid, little kids don't get how a score works necessarily. Right. Like they're not going to necessarily understand the full reference, but they still might think it's funny. Yeah. Like, oh, he's playing he's on playing his, his whiskers. whiskers. But to us, yeah, to an adult or, you know, even somebody slightly older laughing at the sort of fourth wall breaking yeah. nature. Of That's him how you do that kind of score. joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's delightful. And it's like the only time in the movie that something like that happens. Yeah. It's, all right. Oh, good job. Mm. And then there was the joke that you called. Oh, I called it five seconds before it happened. Right before it happened, <laughs> he gets after he gets uh, strung up in the tree, uh, and they're they're um, they're they're using him as a pinata. And and Beans shows up and says, "I'll do it." And he's gonna get the candy out, and he's sitting there swinging. And go, I bet he hits him in the nuts. And then he hit and him then in the three, nuts. two, one, nut shot. Oh, boy. It never has. I mean, that's the is easiest prediction I've ever made, like in a in a yeah. film that wasn't exactly a, a tough one to call. But boy. Yeah. Also, he does not have testicles. We yeah, saw we, we his established spade. that earlier in the movie. We see his certificate of being neutered or whatever. Yeah. And. But the movie still is like, ha ha, nut shot. And he reacts like, I mean. Whatever it's 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 so stupid. And then another one. Sorry, there was two moments of the clever that I thought was fun, and and I don't think this is in the book, but maybe. So the other moment that I thought was fun, like the cat playing the whiskers thing, mm-hmm. is when they get in the car to drive. They bring the fish with them. Yeah. And and Mike Myers says, uh, "I'm turning on the siren," and he sets the cat. Or the the cat, the fish <laughs> on the roof of the car, and the fish starts screaming, and it sounds like the cats are the fish is like ah, and it sounds like a siren, yeah, and because they're yeah. sort of back and forth like uh, bantery nature between the two of them, it kind of works, and again like the, the similar type of thing of like this clever little like mm-hmm. joke that works and fe- and it's kind of whimsical and silly. But like, oh, turn on the siren and puts this fish that he doesn't like up on the roof. And it starts. I was like, yeah, there you go. That's fun. That's good. And you mentioned the dog. And that was another pile of steaks that I even forgot to mention when we were talking about that earlier, that they have to get the dog back. Yeah. Yeah. Yet another ball in the air that I don't understand what the point is. And why? Why? Why did they have to sneak? That's a good point, too. Like, What are they sneaking? I didn't understand this at all, because this 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 is story writing wise where either I completely missed it. I I forgot I wanted to talk about this. The, The dog gets out of the house. Right. And that's set up earlier that the dog getting away is a problem or yes. run, it'll run away. The dog gets out of the house. They go outside to chase it because mm-hmm. they need. Well, no, because then Alec Baldwin sees it and calls the mom yes. and says the dog got the out. The dog got out. But don't worry, I'll get it. I'll get it. And, and the dog's like, you. oh, you're so or the mom's like, oh, you're so great. Right. Such a great guy. And then the kids go to get the dog because the dog has the lock on the dog has the lock on the collar to the crate. Right. But so the I I don't understand Alec Baldwin's thing of I'll get the dog and bring it to you at work. He already and that will be whatever. For some reason, that will be the thing that makes her. Decide to send the kid to military school when he already called and told her. That well, the dog I think escaped. at some point, like he has the dog. Yeah. And he like says 
ha ha ha, this will be the thing that sends you to military school or something like that. He says, like, yeah. wait till your mom finds out. Yeah. And I'm like, he had already she called- already knows. Yeah, he already called her. You told her. And told her on the phone. And then now he's just bringing her the dog. But then they got to get the dog back so that he can't give it to her. I don't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I don't think we ever looked up. How many people wrote this movie? Oh, God, I didn't look it up. I don't know. It, it was a. Because a to me, like to me, that feels like a too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Where like somebody revised part of the script and didn't communicate with another writer. And then another part of the script never got revised. Yeah. Here's the other problem. It. Yeah. Here's the problem also with fi- trying to figure out how many people wrote a film is that a lot of times when something is rewritten a lot like that, the writers don't get credited. Mm. So like uh, like Catwoman, it has like four credited writers uh-huh. in uh, or something like that in the, in on the on IMDb, but uh, Holly Berry in her um, acceptance for the <laughs> Razzie that she won, she went and accepted it like a boss. Uh, yeah, this has three credited screenwriters. Uh-huh. So uh, Cat in the Hat does. She said that like twenty seven people wrote the film, Jesus and now Christ. who knows exactly if she was being hyperbolic, but right. that's like the the sort of the thing is like all these people come and take a pass at it and add things and remove things, and that you know you get a bunch of writers and, and so you know, never know how many people actually wrote it. Mm-hmm. IMDb says three. It's probably more than three, and <laughs> if I had to guess. Mike Myers did some and of Mike jokes. Myers, yeah, <laughs> and Mike Myers. Uh, um. I, when we were getting ready to do this, I went to the library and I checked out The Cat in the Hat and then I went back to the library and I checked out The Cat in the Hat Comes Back because I suspected, I was like, I bet they're going to pull something from The Cat in the Hat Comes Back. And I was right. They did. The plot line with um, like the spots, the purple spots that transfer from object to object Mm -hmm. is directly from The Cat in the Hat Comes Back. There you go. So that is also the movie nailed it, I guess. Kind of. The movie nailed the sequel that it <laughs> Yeah, wasn't doing. I this is another Mike Myers moment that I don't understand and I don't get the reference, I don't get the joke when they have the they're driving in the car and they get into an accident. Mhm. There's just a cut to Mike Myers in the car meditating. He's like home yeah, as the car's know. spinning and I'm like, "What?" Is that even a joke? What is the joke? You got me, Chief. That why is he meditating during the accident? Like that is it the joke that it's a weird time to meditate? I don't understand what the joke is. I mean, that's got to be the joke. That's the only possible joke. So weird. It's just uh, it. I don't. Yeah. So many times I just like I don't. (laughs) Also, after that. He goes to get the dog back from Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. and he dresses up mm-hmm. as a, a, a Rastafarian peace hippie guy. Yes. Uh, problematic dreads and all. And uh, he comes up and, he, and he, he wants him to sign his thing to save the world or whatever. It's like a specific weird animal whatever right. thing. Yeah. But he says you got to sign it with this giant pen, which I thought was kind of funny. It takes two hands to sign whatever that joke was kind of funny but um so then alec baldwin hands him the dog he goes will you hold my dog and Mm -hmm. he and 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 mike myers in this character this hippie greenpeace uh not hippie rastafarian whatever character says 
I don't use the D word, but I will hold your canine American. And that's one of those lines that's like, what's the message here? What's the, what is the message here? Are you lampooning sort of the political correctness of not using derogatory terms? Yeah. Because to me, that's, this character is presented that he's portraying is presented as this like over the top, like hippie, like we're supposed to like find his hippie character obnoxious, I think to some extent, like that's the idea. And then him being like, I don't use the D the dog. I don't say dog. I say canine American is, is seems like a pretty direct correlation to like African American versus like black or something, which was potentially more, I, I think, honestly, I do think that's what it is. I think that's a pretty early 2000s thing. Yeah. Is to, like, lampoon political correctness. Right. Well, it's not just a too early 2000s thing. But, yeah, it, yes, it was yeah. definitely a, a more mainstream thing yes. to sort of, yeah, go after political correctness in that in that regard. But it, it, it just felt so, like, I get the joke. I get what they're going for. Like, oh, it's it's silly that mm-hmm. he won't say dog because it's just a dog, but it's like, but you're, but you have to extrapolate from that to what you're making the joke of, which in right. this case is not wanting to use a term for a human being yeah. that they don't necessarily want used, which in the case of black versus African-American, that's changed a lot and gone right. back and, and forth. I think and, that's just, that's like the most direct right. correlation right. maybe. Right. But but you could also argue that he's referring to the N word, which is way well, more. Actually, yes, I agree with that. <laughs> also, maybe a more direct correlation is Indian versus Native American. There you go. Maybe that's a that's a yeah. That might be a safer one because it's yeah. um because it yeah because it's it, yeah that might be a, a more direct correlation. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't yeah not Indian um, Native American right. I think you're right. Uh, and and that that is one that which now I think actually even Native American isn't necessarily the preferred I think First Nations people is yeah what we're going with now which yeah probably makes sense but uh, I thought it was very strange I don't know that whole joke just felt very weird and like regressive to me and yeah. I was just like not a it was fan just, of it and it was just there's that level and then like at a simpler level it's just it's yet another joke that does not land yeah 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 the only funny part of that whole bit was that he he's he's like pulls out a giant pen yeah which just Here's because oversized props are funny i don't know yeah <laughs> uh. um can we talk about paris hilton yeah paris hilton's in this movie because it's 2003 so why not yeah she just shows up she's just there just looks at the camera for five seconds and then we move on. Yeah. I don't even think she has a line. Nope. Just she just in the poses movie. for the camera. <sighs> yep. <laughs> like wearing a very Paris Hilton 2003 outfit. Yeah. Also throughout this movie, uh, at least once or twice, one time in particular uh, towards the end, he very distinctly, uh, Mike Myers very distinctly rips off the cowardly lion. Yes. from. <laughs> uh, from Wizard of Oz, he does the voice and the inflection and everything of the Cowardly Lion, and it's just like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm not even that personally attached <laughs> to the Wizard of Oz, but how dare you <laughs> ape the Cowardly Lion for this movie? 
Like, how dare you? Oh, it's so stupid. So bad. I don't have any more. Uh, my notes. last thing is that there's literally nothing better to sum up this film than the fact that the climax af- climax of this movie is a Smash Mouth cover of the Beatles. The climax of this movie. <laughs> a Smash Mouth cover of Getting Better by the Beatles plays. Yep. And I was like, that is the perfect ending to this film. It's Nailed almost... It so genius and meta that it can't be on like i was it almost makes the movie brilliant is to be like let's take a song by one of the greatest rock bands of all time it arguably the greatest rock band of all time cover it by smash mouth (laughs) and put it at the climax of our film just to really fuck with the audience and just really rub it in their faces I couldn't believe it because I didn't even realize I saw in the in the prequel. We talked about how uh, this is the third movie in a row, the third Mike Myers movie in a row (laughs) to have a song by Smash Mouth. But I didn't realize that that song was a cover of Getting Better by the Beatles. I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing now? I know why they're doing it is because it's it's incredibly expensive to license Beatles music to be in your stuff. So I assume good. Although maybe it's slightly cheaper to get Smash Mouth. I don't know. But. Oh, my goodness. It uh, I couldn't believe it. Smash Mouth covering the Beatles. How could the Beatles estate let this happen? I I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. And it's just. It's something else. It uh, It's not a good movie, folks. It's a really, really a, bad film. So before we get to our final verdict, I want to ask you a question. Yes. Is it good, bad, or bad, bad? It, it's I, it's bad, bad. I will say this, though, that there is a sick, perverse joy to watching Mike Myers in for a while, but then it just becomes unbearable. But it is when he shows up for, like, the first 10 minutes, it's like watching a train wreck. You're like, what is even <laughs> happening? Like, for real, I was like, I couldn't believe. I was preparing myself for peak Mike, my peak Mike Myers, but I, my imagination did not do it justice. The, what I expected from him in this film, he went so far above and beyond with just, it's like one of those things where I was like plastered to my seat with my jaw agape. Just like, what am I even watching? Because until that, like you can feel the force of it hit you. Yeah, it, it hits you like a fucking wave. And it's, and it's, it's made even better by the fact that before that, you're lured in by this movie being, you're like, I had heard this movie was so bad, so terrible. It's got a 9% of Rotten Tomatoes in the first 10 minutes or whatever. You're like leaning in like, this, this isn't that bad. And then you say you're leaning in that whole time and then Mike Fire- Myers kicks down the fucking door and just <laughs> sprays himself all over the fucking movie. And it just, I... Uh, yeah, it's it's a singular experience watching Mike Myers in this film. And uh, so the, it's it's kind of watchable for a little bit because mm-hmm. of that. But overall, it's not it's not good. It's not good. It's bad, bad. <laughs> but let's get to your final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. My overall takeaway from watching this movie um 
you know. <laughs> and I mean, really, it's we're going to set up this like, what's better? Right. A 2003 movie starring Mike Myers <laughs> or a classic piece of children's literature that literally changed the face of children's <laughs> literature. Um, so really, it's not even fair. No. Um, but my my kind of overall takeaway was like, sometimes you hire a comedic actor and let them do whatever they want in your movie and you get Robin Williams in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get Mike Myers in The Cat in the Hat. <sighs> It's the book, and I don't feel any further obligated to justify that assessment. Yep. Up next, we have the final installment of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. We did want to mention that that episode will probably, 99% sure, post a day late. We're going Mm -hmm. out of town um, for a few days uh, before that, that weekend before it posts, uh, so we're going to have to kind of figure out the scheduling for when we're going to record with your sister and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, so the odds are that episode will come out, not odds. I mean, we're pretty much positive that episode will come out Wednesday, uh, August 7th. Right. Instead of Tuesday, instead the of 6th. Tuesday, the sixth, but we're hoping to only put it off that one day. Hopefully one day it, there's a chance it could yeah. go further, but it, it, yeah, we just, we just have to figure out the logistics with scheduling. Um, and it's also a little bit selfish because we want to listen to the audiobook while we're on our yeah, road trip. We're driving nine hours <laughs> to Cleveland and then nine hours back, and we're like, might as well listen to the audiobook for yeah. part of that and knock out some of the reading that way. It's like half of the audiobook. Yeah, we can do most of the audiobook on that trip, so we want to do that. Uh, it's definitely a little selfish. But that being said, so we're going to have to pr- push it off probably at least one day, but it shouldn't be too late. Uh, and that will be an epic, yeah. I'm sure, three-hour installment yeah. uh, once again. Um, so. and the, but the prequel should be on time. We should, yeah, the prequel shouldn't have on. an issue with that. Nope. So, until that time, in one week when we're back for the prequel to Return of the King, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome. Keep not being Mike Myers. Please keep keep doing that. In the cat in the hat. I'll just (laughs) make it specific so as not to completely put Mike Myers on blast. Mm